Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to episode number nine of Thyroid Nation Radio Live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz. Also known as Dana and Tiffany, bringing you the voices of thyroid advocates, clinicians, bloggers, and thyroid thrivers everywhere. In just a few short minutes, we'll be talking live with Dr. Eric Osansky, functional medicine practitioner, certified clinical nutritionist, and author of Natural Treatment Solutions for Hyperthyroidism and Graves' Disease. So excited, aren't you, Dana? I am. I think this is our first talk about Graves' Disease. I mean, you know, we talked about it here and there, but... yeah. But not like this. So, yes, I'm excited. So just a few things before we get started. If you tuned in last week, hope you did. You heard us chatting with the fabulous Dana Trentini of Hypothyroid Mom. And if you missed it, you can listen to it in the archives at thyroidnation.com slash radio. She was fantastic. We were so glad to have her, even though she wasn't feeling good. It was absolutely a great, great show. So if you missed it, you got to go back to the archives and check it out. You can also see the lineup of wonderful and innovative guests we have scheduled for the uh, show on that same page. We've got some really wonderful people coming up. In fact, we have part of our radio team next week, Thyroid Mom, Blythe Clifford. That's going to be really cool. So you can check out all the new people we have coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully she's listening today. And that's a great topic, too, you know congenital hypothyroidism oh, and children and, mom, and thyroid disease. Yes. Can't even imagine. Well, as oh, always, yeah. a very, very, very big thank you to our amazing Thyroid Nation radio team of advisors, without whom this show would not be possible. There's so much support that goes on behind the scenes and questions asked and different things in the feed that, that you all don't see that are just so helpful for us. Raina Kranz, Laura Schooneman, Melissa Phipps, Blythe Clifford, Penny Jensen, Sarah Downing, and Marissa Ravello. Please check out their bios, Thriver stories, groups, blogs, websites, and support groups at thyroidnation.com radio. It's an awesome, awesome set of women that we just are just too priceless to to actually spit it out. Okay, Dana, let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Let's see. I don't see Dr. Osansky with us here yet. Oh, well. Well, then let's let's just talk for just a minute. Let's do it. (laughs) I don't know where he's at. Okay. Well, he's probably just a minute. Huh? I said let's just talk for a few minutes. Um, We don't ever get a chance to do that like we did in the very beginning of the the shows, the first few shows. We talked for a few minutes before we. actually spoke to the guest, so let's uh let's uh let's talk for just a few minutes. How you feeling? I know how you're feeling, but why don't you share with everybody I know. how you're feeling? Since you're so good I'm at doing know. that. <laughs> I'm feeling okay. I I've had a rough week. Very very, very busy week. What was that? I don't know. What was that? Did you hear that music? Oh, or am I hearing angels? Yeah. It was one of my no, that was one of my games. I have my my iPad on mute, but for some reason, I don't know, it it likes to play tricks on me. So I don't know, it just did a little music. I thought I thought I was hearing angels. No. <laughs> so you've had a rough week. 
I've had a rough week, yes. I had a wonderfully, wonderfully amazing busy week, but, um, you know, that makes me tired, and then i got to play catch-up. So that's always, um, you know, a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, I do know that. I do I do, and it's funny because you read on all these blogs and all the groups and things all the time, and, you know, it's just, it feels like people, they're writing your thoughts, right? They're like, oh, this week, blah, 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 I don't feel good, and I've been doing this, and I'm busy, and I, I mean, I'm just clicked like, 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 you know, the whole way down, yeah. so, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it kind of feels good in a way, it's terrible to say, but it's nice to know, so. Okay, so I think we we found Dr. Ozanski. He's a I think he's, he's here with us. He's a wonderful functional medicine practitioner, certified clinical nutritionist, and author of Natural Treatment Solutions for Hyperthyroidism and Graves' Disease. He is also the founder of the wonderfully informative site NaturalEndocrineSolutions.com, and I have many of his fabulous articles on my site. He's so gracious, and and I have a some fantastic articles of his, and he's uh, he's here with us today. So let's welcome him. Eric, uh, hi, can you well, hear us to, all right? Great to speak with you. Yes, yes. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, loud and clear. Well, welcome. All right, thank you. Um, yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, well, thank thank you for having me, both you. of you. Great, great to finally talk to you on the phone. I don't think I think we've always just chatted or emailed. So nice to mm-hmm. nice to hear your voice. It's yes. Dr. Ozanski, right? Is that how we say it? Yep, that is correct. Okay, perfect. Because sure. we have butchered we have butchered many a name, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, you got hard yeah. right the first time. So perfect. Yep. I right. love well, you. Again, again thank you for having me. Oh, what was that? Was a, I was just <laughs> going to say for those of you who don't really know um, Dr. Ozanski, you should. But for those of you who don't, I wanted you to tell um, tell the listeners a little bit about your story. And, uh, you know, I know your story. Tiffany knows your story. Uh, why don't you share, you know, your thyroid story for everybody? All right, sure. Well, I graduated from chiropractic school in March of 1999, and shortly thereafter opened up a chiropractic practice. And well, I did offer some nutritional advice at the time, I mainly focused on typical chiropractic conditions such as low back pain, neck pain, headaches. And you know, to make a long story short, after a number of years, I got burnt out. In February of 2008, I decided to take a break from chiropractic and I sold my practice. Um, but shortly after this, I found out I had hyperthyroidism. I was eventually diagnosed with Graves' disease by an endocrinologist. And at the time, I honestly wasn't too familiar with the condition, although prior to being diagnosed, I attended some nutritional seminars in the past, which, you know, focused on functional endocrinology. And because of this, I knew right away that I was at least going to try taking a natural approach. And even though I was eating better than most people, there were still plenty of improvement to be made. So I, you know, of course, cleaned up my diet and stress was a huge factor in my condition. And so even though I always thought I was good at handling stress, I realized this wasn't the case after I was diagnosed. And so I also worked on improving my stress handling skills. And just, you know, I was able to avoid taking any medication for my condition. Uh, not everybody's able to do this, but fortunately I was. And, you know, I was able to restore my health through diet, stress management, taking certain supplements and herbs and other lifestyle factors. That's pretty much a brief summary. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty cool. 
right? Because you hear so many people, and I have a ton of people on um, on the groups that, that I follow and everything that uh, that are suffering greatly, and they they necessarily they can't necessarily do it the way you did it. So that's that's really cool, right? Exactly. Well, a lot of people don't know; they're not aware of natural treatment, so it, that there's not they. they you know, most endocrinologists, as you know, they're not in favor of a natural approach. So, you know, they uh, just talk about uh, conventional medical treatments. Dr. Ozanski, what were some of your symptoms um, for some of our listeners out there that may not necessarily have been diagnosed yet uh, with hyperthyroidism or Graves' disease? What were some of the symptoms that you had experienced uh, before being diagnosed? Anything that kind of tipped you off? Yeah, well... High pulse rate was one of the big things, and it's funny because I didn't really – the way I found out, I just was one day randomly taking my blood pressure and noticed that I had a higher pulse rate, and that's when I started putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, I was also losing weight, so weight loss is a, is a common, uh, common symptom. Palpitations, heart palpitations, uh, especially at night. They were pretty prominent. Some tremors I experienced, increase in ha- appetite. Um, so those are more of the common classic symptoms, uh, sometimes increased bowel movements as well. Um, but uh, I, I didn't have as much of that. But the other symptoms, definitely the increased appetite, I had a voracious appetite, lost a good amount of weight. And, again, the heart rate and the palpitations uh, were definitely noticeable. How about, did you have any classic uh, visual or, um, you know, optical problems uh, the way Graves usually presents or no, not necessarily? Fortunately, I didn't. About 50% of people have the thyroid eye disease. I was fortunate not to personally have uh, any any eye symptoms, any eye swelling or double vision or bulging. That's a great thing. So how Let me ask you you real quick. Where are you from, Dr. Ozanski? Uh, where am I from? Where where do I practice now, or where am I from originally, or both? Where are you from originally? <laughs> okay, ri- originally from the New York area. And well, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Cause you, you sound you sound kind of like Dana, who we had on last week. So I was thinking, hmm, picking up. One, You're one giving check. yourself away. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I mean, I've, so how I've did been you end south. up in? No- oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to quickly say I've been down south now probably just as long as I've been <laughs> as I lived up north. But um, but anyway, yeah, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? So how did you get to North Carolina? Did you just really enjoy the area and someplace you wanted to settle, or were you taken there for schooling? Or tell us a little bit how you got from New York to North Carolina. Sure. Well, I went to chiropractic school in Marietta, Georgia. <laughs> uh, just uh, there were... There, were, there was no local option for chiropractic school. Um, the closest school was actually in upstate New York, but I decided I wanted to go to a place where it was a little bit lo- warmer and not where there was more snow and it was colder. Um, so that played a big role in my decision of going down south. So I was in uh, I was in Georgia for four years, and then. Um, after that, I just decided that I wanted to stay down south. Didn't want to. I like Georgia, but uh, just um, just decided. I, I have a friend, good friend, who's in who practices in Raleigh, North Carolina. So at the time, he took me to Raleigh and Charlotte, and you know, just and then my um, future wife also. We took a trip to Charlotte, and we just decided to to move to Charlotte. 
Yeah. You liked it there, yeah. yeah that's a, exactly. It's a cool. It's a cool intertwining of of Southern and New York a- accent. It's very it unique. Is. I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, you know, he kind of sounds like Southern all of a sudden. And then I was thinking, but you can hear the like New York, but some some of the words you said sounded really Southern, and you know, it is a really cool mix. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm making <laughs> um, the transition. So. <laughs> But I, and, and I still have family. I do, I do still have family up north, so I still go up north every every now and then. But um, but yeah, I'm slowly becoming southernized over the years. <laughs> so far, most of our guests have been from from that side of the that yeah. coast over there. We have you know Blythe, is the thyroid mom's coming on next week. She's in I guess she's in Raleigh. Doctor Hamburg's oh, okay. in Asheville. Mm-hmm. Dana's in New Jersey somewhere, so we're covering the whole coast <laughs> up and down right there. <laughs> there you go. We need to get one of those. We need to get one of those U.S. posters and put the little, you know, the little pricks on there every time we have something. Pin, yeah, the little pins <laughs> in there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting down to the nitty gritty a little bit more, I discussed some of the differences between Graves' disease and Hashimoto's for our listeners. Okay, well, obviously both Graves and Hashimoto's are autoimmune conditions, autoimmune thyroid conditions, but, you know, the the main difference between the two conditions is that they're characterized by different types of autoantibodies as well as different symptoms. So I described some of the symptoms I was experiencing early, which are more hyperthyroid symptoms, whereas somewhat hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's typically will have you know, instead of weight loss, they'll have weight gain. Uh, number of, a lot of times they'll have the, you know, increased fatigue and brain fog. But with the anti, getting back to the antibodies, with Graves' disease, typically you present with positive thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulins, um, which that's a type of TSH receptor antibody. So these actually stimulate the TSH receptors, and that's what leads to the excess production of thyroid hormone, and that's what, again, leads to the increased metabolic rate and leads to the symptoms that I mentioned earlier, whereas um, Hashimoto's is typically characterized by either thyroid peroxidase antibodies or thyroglobulin antibodies or both, um, which damage the thyroid gland. And again, over time, this results in a decrease in thyroid hormone levels and causes the hypothyroid symptoms. And, you know, the, the management of these conditions, of course, is different, but when trying to improve one's health, obviously the goal is to try to address the immune system component, the autoimmune component of these conditions. You know, I just I just had a thought, and, you know, maybe you could help me understand it, or, or even if you've ever heard of it, but if you have someone that pre- presents with both Graves and Hashimoto's antibodies, that would make the, the actual TSH a little bit even increasingly more deceptive, right? Because it's sort of playing, you know, one's going one way, one's going another way, correct? Or is that would that not really apply with that? It just kind of flew through my head there for a minute. Well, it depends on the person. I mean, I do see people who commonly have both anti- antibodies, especially, you know, with Graves' disease, it's very common to have the thyroid peroxidase antibodies. Um, but there are some people who have all three or, or maybe not the thyroid peroxidase, but they might have elevated, you know, TSI antibodies and thyroglobulin antibodies. And, you know, it depends on the person. Sometimes they just have predominantly grave disease symptoms. Um, so I frequently see that where, you know, they'll have both TSI antibodies and, you know, the elevated 
thyroid peroxidase and or thyroid globulin antibodies, but they're just having um, hyperthyroid symptoms. You know, sometimes people will fluctuate between the two conditions. Um, so it really is dependent on the person. Yeah, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me um, let me back up for just a minute. Um, kind of off topic a little bit, but I just want to know, you know, when you got diagnosed or kind of diagnosed yourself and then went for treatment and decided to go the natural route, you said you had sold your chiropractic business. What led you to further, you know, get more education and, and where did, you know, what did you do? What were your decisions? How did, how did you get to where you are right now as far as your practice and things? Yeah, well, I mean, what ha- again, after selling my practice, I, I was, the intentions was to take a break. And, I, I mean, honestly, I wasn't sure what the next step was going to be. But then when I was diagnosed with Graves, you know, and I took a natural approach and I saw how well it worked with me, then, you know, I just, uh, you know, figured that there, I mean, I, I knew that there's a lot of people out there with, with thyroid conditions um, just from some of the seminars I attended in the past. But, you know, so just uh, when I was diagnosed, I actually happened to work with another natural healthcare professional uh, just to, you know, give me some guidance. And when I worked with her, she actually helped me remotely. I never met her until a few years later. But but that, I guess, gave me also the, the idea that I could, you know, also not only just help people locally, but help people remotely. And so just slowly what I started doing is I started putting together my website and just, you know, helping people just, you know, just, I guess, slowly, just as I built my website, especially once that started, um, you know, I started putting together blog posts and articles, and it really just took off. I mean, it, it, well, I shouldn't say, it, it did take a little bit of time, but once, um, you know, once I started putting the articles and blog posts and then putting together some webinars, you know, that's when I realized that there were many people who had these conditions who were, were interested in a natural treatment approach and just over the years, I mean, I, I I gained a lot of experience with my own Graves' disease condition, but then just over the years, I've been attending numerous conferences, nutritional conferences, functional medicine conferences, um, achieved numerous certifications, as you mentioned earlier, um, went on to get a, a master's in human nutrition and functional medicine, um, actually currently, um, you know, it, it's like a never-ending process. I'm still, you know, I mean, just... It, you know, you're always trying to learn more things, trying to improve your skills and knowledge. And probably the best, you know, best way to do that is just work, just over the years, working with people, um, just, you know, work with people with these conditions. And that's, again, that's pretty much now all I do is just work with people with Graves' disease, Hashimoto's, you know, just the thyroid and autoimmune thyroid conditions. Your future chose and you. I love that. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I love that because it kind of, I was going to say, it kind of, you kind of got propelled into a direction that, that you know, works for you and, and your body. And I think that's really cool that you're able to help people, you know, in the same way that you kind of helped yourself. It's very cool. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it was pretty scary, especially, I mean, with either condition, it's scary, but, you know, with, with Graves' disease, just reading some when I was first diagnosed, just, you know, going online and reading about radioactive iodine and just, you know, the possibility, possibility of receiving radioactive iodine or getting my thyroid gland removed. And just, uh, you know, I 
honestly, at the time, I didn't know if natural treatments will, even though I'm a, you know, I, I had, of course, a natural background, I still was skeptical and still wasn't sure if, if the natural treatments would be effective. And when they did, as you mentioned, they definitely motivated me to help others because I knew that a common recommendation for people with Graves' disease was to receive the radioactive iodine and, of course, with you know, Hashimoto's to take the thyroid hormone medication, which, you know, I mean, it's not to say people don't need to take medication or in some cases people don't need conventional medical treatments, you know, for, you know, uh, Graves' disease. But as we all know, most endocrinologists don't do anything for the immune system. So, and that, you know, so that was a, just, and obviously still is a big focus, just trying to, uh, you know, improve people's immune system health and, you know, other imbalances that they have. And if they need to take medication, you know, which some people do, you know, that's fine. I mean, it's it's about also having an open mind and not just, uh, you know, so that's, you know, some people just are opposed completely to the medication. Some people are opposed completely to natural treatment methods, you know, and, and just realizing that there's a time and place for each of these is important. Well, and so many people right now are really in a subclinical position where they're, you know, they're actually in a perfect position for natural treatments, you know, and not going on thyroid medication. Um, mm-hmm. You see, you know, a lot of that right now, especially. Yep, exactly. I mean, it could take years before you know, they reach the point where the TSH is elevated, where the thyroid hormone levels you know, are, are decreased, you know, in people with, you know, especially subclinical hypothyroidism. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, yeah, so you're, you're right. It's uh, pretty much most endocrinologists just in those, that in these cases, they'll just play the, the waiting game. And then, you know, when the TSH is out of range, that's when they'll recommend um, treatment. But as you mentioned, you do want to try to take preventative measures. Right. What type of uh, what type of diet do you think is ideal for Graves' disease? Were, were there things that you found that really worked well? Yeah, well, I mean, regardless of whether someone has Graves' or Hashimoto's, I do typically recommend an autoimmune paleo diet to my patients. Um, now, the challenge with Graves is that you know it's common for people to lose a lot of weight, and you know, again, many. Many people with both Graves and Hashimoto's find this diet to be very challenging to follow, but especially more so with Graves' disease. So, I mean, what I usually do is I'll at least try to have people, you know, have my patients follow this type of diet for at least one month and then see how they're doing after the first month. If they're doing fine, if they're progressing well, great. Um, if they're really struggling, then I might allow them to introduce certain foods which aren't typically allowed in an autoimmune paleo diet, you know, such as, you know, eggs or egg yolks and see how they respond. Um, but I, I do try to stick with the, with an autoimmune paleo diet. Um, and, you know, really it comes down to nutrient density. Obviously, you want them to eat nutrient-dense foods and try and avoid foods that could be harmful to the gut and immune system. But I like your now, approach, you- how you how you um how you kind of reevaluate after a month because you're right sometimes people don't necessarily do that well on paleo it's it's strange i've seen more and more uh people commenting in these groups and things they're actually afraid they'll message me they're afraid to come out and say you know i've tried paleo i'm in this paleo group and it's really just not working for me so it's good that you you have that you know hands-on approach where you 
you know, you retest and you kind of check how things are going and you can, you know, you allow them to, to reintroduce foods because that is important, you know, and everybody is different. Every body is different. And for me, I know especially uh, with my adrenal fatigue, you know, I, I need carbs. I know that I do. And mm-hmm. when I don't have them, I'm not right, you know. I mean, I'm very careful with, with what I eat and I stay away from gluten as much as possible, you know, there's the random thing that sneaks in, but um, but yeah, that's that's wonderful, Doctor Ozanski. That's a good way to way to do it. People love that. People love that you treat them individually. Yeah, as you said, everybody's different. So I mean, even though I start off with a lot of the same things with people, as as we we're talking about, different people respond differently. So if someone's not responding well, then you do need to make modifications. And you know, even if they are responding well. You know, I don't think necessarily, you know, in most cases, people don't need to, even if they're doing well with an autoimmune paleo, some people will choose to follow that permanently, but other people in the future are still able to, you know, maybe switch to a more standard paleo diet, you know, still eating well, um, but, you know, introduce some of the foods. So, again, it really does depend on the person. Do you find that uh, Hashimoto's, do you start them off as well on an autoimmune paleo, or do you find that they need more carbs than, than someone with hyper and Graves' disease? Yeah, well, actually, if anything, I probably find that people with Graves' will need more more carbs. But, yeah, typically I'll recommend an autoimmune paleo diet for, you know, for both Hashimoto's and Graves'. And then, again, just make the, you know, if I feel that they're doing better, you know, by reintroducing some gluten-free grains, you know, then we'll, you know, experiment with that. Again, I mentioned the eggs before, so it really, you know, does depend on the person. But usually I will start both out with an autoimmune paleo diet. Hmm. You know, I think it's interesting. I just want to note, um, Dr. Ozanski, that that I really like your approach and and how you, you know, kind of take each person differently and, and, and what their symptoms are and all that. And, and something that I, I noticed is that I have a lot of friends that have grades. And, um, you know, just virtual friends, but a ton of people online. And I'm not sure, you know, correct me, you know, Tiffany, Dr. Ozanski, but most of the time, like, hands down, if you walk in somewhere and they say you have grades, they're not going to address the autoimmune part of it first. I mean, they immediately start talking about thyroidectomy and radioactive iodine. I mean, I know that that Brittany, my friend Brittany, and 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 Gina, and there's tons of people with with Graves and things. The autoimmune part, I think, came came after, and and I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> so, what what do you find that to be true, Tiffany, Doctor Ozanski? It's not something Tiffany and I've ever talked about. Yeah, so so you were mentioning how endocrinologists usually recommend the radioactive iodine first or a thyroidectomy uh-huh. first, and uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I mean it's especially in the United States. I mean, some other countries too, but really, again, it depends. There are some countries where they are more conservative and they'll recommend anti-thyroid medication, you know, such as methimazole or PTU um, before. They'll try everything they can to avoid reactive iodine. But here in the United States, it's, you know, definitely common for most endocrinologists to recommend radioactive iodine as the first type of treatment, you know, to try to, put the person in the hypothyroid state and uh and I don't know if they admit or if they 
I mean, I think a lot of endocrinologists know that the autoimmune component is the main factor. They just don't know what to do about it. So it's right. not as if they're okay. tr- intentionally. I mean, again, it depends on every doctor's difference. You know, so, I mean, but, you know, just, again, that's the approach that they that that they've been taught all along is to recommend rate active iodine. And, you know, of course, if someone has a high pulse rate palpitations and they walk into the, you know, if they walk into an endocrinologist's office with a pulse rate of 120, you know, the endocrinologist, you know, they, you know, I mean, that's more scary than someone that walks in with Hashimoto's. And again, not to minimize the symptoms someone might have with Hashimoto's, but the cardiac symptoms of Graves could be severe at times. And, you know, rather than, you know, recommend, antithyroid medication, they might just feel more comfortable, you know, giving the radioactive iodine to the patient. And, you know, because in some cases it is easier to manage hypothyroidism than hyperthyroidism. But, you know, again, that doesn't do anything for the immune system. But also yeah, not okay. everybody who receives, yeah, not everybody does well when receiving radioactive iodine. So it's not always as simple as you receive radioactive iodine and then you take thyroid hormone and live happily ever after. Uh, no. A number of people get that. Yeah, so it's... I don't know of any, to be honest. <laughs> so if you're out there and you're listening and you have this great story, please send it in to the thyroid drivers because we want to hear it because I don't know of any. So that would be good to know. Good to have, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, every now and then I will get an email from someone who received radioactive iodine and they, they're doing fine. You know, they're, you know, um, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I do get a number of emails from people who receive radioactive iodine, and you know, just uh, they're not doing fine. So it's uh, so yeah, and the, the, you you don't know obviously before you receive radioactive iodine, you don't know which category you fall into. So there's no way to know if you will be one of those people who right. simply take thyroid hormone and you and do well um, for the rest of your life, or if you're one of those people who receive radioactive iodine and just have problems, you know, after that. So. But I'd like to see, you know, I mean, this is our, this is the reason I started Thyroid Nation and the reason there's thyroid change and all these different groups, advocacy groups, is because I'd like to see these endocrinologists and, and other doctors that when someone walks in and they say, yeah, you have Graves' disease, they say, okay, look, all right, it's an autoimmune response to this. You know, we could start with, or let's start with this for sure right now. Let's Let's address the autoimmune part, and then let's think about radioactive iodine you know, medications for the rest of your life, you know, thyroidectomy, you know, let's, you know, but these are some options. These are, let's, you know, do you want to go full force right now? You know, this is how severe your case is, so I think we should go this, you know, like some options. I mean, most of the people that I see and the stories that I read are like, they told me I had to have radioactive iodine, and I went like the next week and did it. Like, (laughs) and then now they're, they're sad, and they're, disappointed you know they say you know my doctor killed my thyroid and you know i chose what he told me to do right so it's just very disappointing because people later start realizing and reading because that puts them in hypothyroid state so then they have to learn more about their thyroid and then they're like oh well i didn't know that maybe i could have done this so that's my hope and my wish i knew i do need to add some more graves disease things as someone mentioned on on thyroid nation and i'm going to now because that's a big deal right Mhm. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean, it's just all about education. And same thing with the endocrinologists and you know medical doctors. I mean, they just need and and some of them, to be fair, some of them are getting more in, uh, educated. Right. You know, by the Institute of Functional Medicine, for example. So, 
you know, some of them are beginning to address the, the immune system component, but you are correct. They should at least, they should all give options. And, you know, I mean, if, you know, besides radioactive iodine, at least if they talk about antithyroid medication, that's fine. I know they're not trained when it comes to herbs to manage the hyperthyroid symptoms, but many of them don't even bring up the antithyroid medication or they, it, as you said, they just lead them straight into radioactive iodine and, the person is trusting the the doctor to, and they don't know any better. So many people just end up receiving it. And then later on, a lot of these people do have regrets. I think the winds of yeah, change so are coming though. I, I was surprised I this week so. to actually read, you know, that um, they had posted in, in uh, Medscape on an article that had been done, you know, saying that survival is still excellent without radioactive iodine and low risk thyroid cancer. I was happy to see that article that they're even, you know, considering that. That's the whole functional medicine change, I think, that we're going to be seeing, which is going to be amazing for everybody, you know. Um, You know, I think that's the future of medicine, and that's when we're all going to be able to take a deep breath and have a lot more confidence in our doctors. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think think you're correct. It is moving in the right direction. I mean, slower, a lot slower than we'd like to see, but still, um, again, I, I yeah, ho- hope that is the direction where we will see more, you know, doctors of all types, including endocrinologists. You know, just uh, going more. You know, again, I, I don't expect any of the, any of them to not prescribe medication. And medication, again, sometimes is important to, to prescribe. You know, people do need to take thyroid hormone medication. They need to take antithyroid medication. But while they're doing that, the, the cause of the condition should be addressed. And it, it, as you mentioned, more and more doctors are looking into the cause and not just looking to give medication alone. Not enough, Education though. Education <laughs> and self-advocacy, right? I'm sorry, what was that? I was just saying education and self-advocacy, you know, that's what we exactly. say on every show. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just part of the deal, right? Yes, yes, definitely. So what do you think are some of the common triggers for Graves' disease? Uh, Well, I guess before discussing some of the triggers, I do want to quickly say that genetics do play a role in the development of autoimmune conditions such as Graves as well as Hashimoto's, but lifestyle and environmental factors are an even greater factor. And so just because someone has a genetic marker for any autoimmune condition doesn't mean that the person will develop that specific condition. Um, but as for, like, what specifically can trigger Graves' disease, um, some of the different factors, uh, of course, stress, chronic stress, um, certain infections such as H. pylori and uh, Yersinia enterocolitica, um, food allergens such as gluten and dairy, um, you know, possibly even certain nutrient deficiencies, not, not necessarily causing Graves' disease, but maybe setting the stage. Um, so, for example, I'm sure some of your other guests have spoken about the importance of vitamin D with regards to immune system health. And, you know, while having a vitamin D deficiency itself probably won't cause the development of an autoimmune condition, you know, having the low vitamin D levels can make more someone more susceptible to developing such a condition. You know, it affects the regulatory T cells, which helps to keep autoimmunity in check. So there, you know, could be different triggers and also different contributing factors that can potentially lead to development of Graves' disease as well as other autoimmune conditions. 
Okay, well, what if someone walks into your office and they've clearly got a goiter? What is, the, is your approach different? If they have a goiter, is mm-hmm. my approach different, you said? Yeah, I mean, like, are you definitely going to go this way or definitely going to go this way? Are you, you know? Well, I mean, just because when I had graves, I, I did have a, a goiter as well. Um, so it really depends. I mean, you could have it with both hypo or hyper. Um, so, you know, either way, the goal is to try to balance the thyroid hormone level. So, obviously, if someone has graves and if they have a goiter and if it's caused by the excessive formation of thyroid hormone, you know, then the goal is to, you know, e- either they're coming into my practice already on anti-thyroid medication or if they're not, then, you know, like myself, again, I didn't take the anti-thyroid medication. I took herbs. Uh, bugleweed is the main one as far as lowering the thyroid hormone levels. It's an herb with anti-thyroid activity. Um, and, uh, you know, so, again, if someone walks into my office with hyperthyroidism and they're not managing it, that will be one of the first things, if not the first thing I'm going to recommend is trying to do things to help, you know, with uh, even though the goal is not to just manage the symptoms, symptom management is important. So we want to get the thyroid hormone levels down, try to get the, you know, if they have a high pulse rate, palpitations, and again, if the thyroid hormone levels are causing a the goiter, then, you know, by decreasing the thyroid hormone levels, that will help. Obviously, the opposite with Hashimoto's, you know, if someone comes in with a Hashimoto's and, you know, if they're taking thyroid, a lot of a lot of people are taking thyroid hormone medication and, you know, but if they're not and if that's what's, you know, potentially causing a the goiter, then, you know, I can't personally prescribe thyroid hormone medication, but, and again, the goal is try to get to the cause where maybe they don't have to take thyroid medication, but as I mentioned earlier, some people do. So it really is just trying to determine what imbalances are present and just trying to address those imbalances. Can you talk a little bit about iodine? What's your thoughts sure. on, on? Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, iodine is one of those controversial areas. And, you know, what <laughs> I, yeah, so iodine. You know, I'm actually, if anything, probably more pro-iodine, but I'm also cautious about iodine. You know, so, you know, you mentioned a goiter. So, obviously, if someone has an iodine deficiency, then that could, you know, lead to a goiter. And by supplementing with iodine, you know, first testing, which we could talk about, but, you know, testing for iodine, seeing if someone has a deficiency or, you know, looking at their dietary history. But, um, you know, if they're deficient in iodine and that's, causing the goiter, then obviously correcting that deficiency will help. Um, but, yeah, there's a definitely a lot of controversy over, you know, whether people with both Graves and Hashimoto should take iodine or whether they should avoid iodine. And, you know, when I was, I guess I'm a little bit biased towards, like I like, one of the reasons I like it is because I, I was recommended to test for it and take it when I was diagnosed with Graves. But then, you know, after that, I mean, I, I still like iodine and, you know, I still, you know, uh, recommend it to some patients, but I'm also cautious because some people don't do well with iodine, especially, you know, Hashimoto's could be, uh, iodine could potentially be a trigger or exacerbate the autoimmune response um, in people with these conditions. Um, and, and, you know, so there's different testing available, which, again, you know, that's also a little bit controversial, you know, as far as, like, blood testing. That's 
probably not the most accurate method of testing for iodine. You know, there's urinary testing, including 24-hour iodine testing, um, as well as, uh, yeah, I typically use the 24-hour iodine loading test. Um, but that's that's also controversial, too, um, not only from a re- results perspective. Again, I, I've, I, found, I, 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 I like the test, but it also, if you, you know, you could take it, take the test with iodine like there's i guess uh, and you're probably familiar with this but for the listeners who aren't you the iodine loading test typically the 24-hour one you you take you take a uh, tablet of iodine and then it measures the excretion of iodine over the 24 hours you know of course the problem with that is that it involves taking iodine so if someone you know again that potentially could be problematic um but you know, again, I've had numerous people do the test, and, you know, I, I don't recall anybody having a big issue. But, again, I, I probably recommend it more in Graves than in Hashimoto's um, as far as the iodine testing. And I'm not a big fan of just randomly taking high doses of iodine. Um, even if someone does test as being deficient, uh, I, I don't put them on 50 milligrams of iodorol or, you know, so it's if I do have someone supplement with iodine it's usually smaller doses to begin with and then again just see how they respond um you know maybe you know increase the dose over time and then you know do some retesting but it just comes down to as we were talking about with diet and everything else everybody's different so so i everybody you know, is I, different you're right i mean and yeah and and it's important to know what your iodine levels are to start with you know because i see people all the time they're just, you know, ordering supplements and saying, you know, I've read that I need to have iodine and it's like, well, <laughs> you need yeah. to know where you're at first, right? So so that's important. Hey, um, I wanted to uh, introduce one of our, our team to you. I think I've got her on the phone. Her name is Raina Kranz. She's fabulous. She has a group. I post a lot of other things in, in her group. It's Thyroid Discussion Group on Facebook. Her name is Raina Kranz. And she's going to talk a little bit with us too. So just hang on one second. Okay, sure. She's on it. Raina, you there? Hi. Yes, I am. Hi. <laughs> How Hi, are you? I'm great. I'm great. I have lots of questions yes. for you, Doctor. Um, we have a lot of people on our page with Graves and hyperthyroid, as well as having both Graves and hyperthyroid, uh, Graves and Hashimoto's. And I'm doing my very best to find as much possible research as I can for them. And what I'm finding to be a discrepancy between the information that's out there for Hashimoto versus Graves and Hypo versus Hyper comes down to diet, supplementation, and exercise. And that happens to be the area in which I do most of my work. And with Hashimoto's, I know what the parameters are with exercise is concerned, but with Graves, it's it's the opposite. And I'm wondering where you stand, where you come from, your personal experience and what you've seen in your practice, what I can help with people that I'm working with, because I'm a personal trainer, who also have Graves and hyperthyroid. What do I need to, what direction do I need to go in as far as research is concerned where these people who happen to be overweight as well as being hyperthyroid, how can we get them to losing weight? Yeah, well... That was was a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I am very cautious more so with hyperthyroid patients when it comes to exercise. 
Uh, it doesn't mean I don't recommend exercise, but usually, especially if someone walks in, and again, if they have a, a high pulse rate and palpitations, you know, then I usually will limit their exercise to some light walking. Um, weight, you know, some weightlifting is fine to help with the bone density, and you know, but as far as doing you know, regular cardiovascular exercise, and, you know, definitely I don't recommend, like, high-intensity in- interval training for those with hypothyroidism. Um, but but for some people, even if it's not high-intensity, but, again, if they're, you know, if they have a, high, a pulse rate of 110, 120, you know, uh, resting, I mean, it's probably not a good idea to have them even just go on an elliptical machine and, and do a regular, you know, if they're doing it very light maybe. But, you know, of course, it all comes down to managing the symptoms, and, you know, you mentioned someone who has hyperthyroidism who's overweight. Now, typically, hyperthyroidism will result in weight loss, but then, you know, you do get some people who have the weight gain, especially if they're taking an antithyroid medication. <laughs> so if they're taking an antithyroid medication, you know, like methinazole, um, that's trying to lower the thyroid hormone levels, it's, it's common for them to experience the, the weight gain. And, and obviously, we you know, just myself as well as you, know, you, you, you can't tell them and I can't tell them to stop taking mm-hmm. the medication, nor, you know, would we want to, you know, we want to, again, everything comes down, comes down to risk versus benefits, you know, and obviously we have to follow what we, you know, as our scope of what's under our scope of practice as well. But, um, you know, so if someone's taking antithyroid medication, you know, then, and if that's preventing them from losing weight, you know, then, what I do is, I mean, it's not, obviously, the, the exercise, even if they were to exercise, that, you know, the antithyroid medication to to a, some extent, um, usually to a big extent, is going to offset, you know, any uh, weight loss from exercising. But, um, but again, so they'll need to be on the antithyroid medication. But, you know, it's other factors, the inflammatory component of these autoimmune conditions, including Graves' disease and, you know, as well as Hashimoto's, that's a big factor for people not losing weight as well. So so it's not, you know, again, the exercise, I'm more conservative, but besides diet, doing things to help with inflammation, you know, making mm-hmm. sure that they're, you know, that they have healthy vitamin D levels, of course, um, mm-hmm. you know, giving them other things, you know, like fish oils, turmeric, um, drinking right. green tea, just things that, again, help to reduce pro-inflammatory cytokines, increase regulatory T cells. I mean, Again, people overlook that factor in helping with weight loss. Um, so, but again, I mean, most of the people with hyperthyroidism, it's the opposite problem, trying to put on the weight. But for those who are who are hyperthyroid, and actually, it's you know, and, and the opposite where they're um, trying to lose weight. You know, you do want to be cautious about exercise, and obviously, again, I spoke about diet earlier, where. You know, regardless of what condition they have, you want them to eat a a clean diet. And I'm more towards an autoimmune paleo diet, although, again, I'll make modifications depending on the person. But I'll just, you know, I'll I'll focus on other imbalances. And, you know, sometimes that'll be enough to help them lose weight. But a lot of times they're not going to lose the weight until they're actually off of the antithyroid medication. Well, here's a very interesting uh, scenario for you. And and I've come Mm -hmm. across more than once, um, and and this goes to the the overtraining effect that happens with those with hypothyroid. I'm finding mm-hmm. that the same thing seems to be happening here. I have a few individuals that who have been overtraining and have, have done, in my opinion, 
um, have adverse effects from the overtraining. And with hyperthyroid, with or without graves, are overweight and overweight like a hypothyroid person. And I'm finding what they're doing is they're reducing their calories way too much. And it's having that same adverse effect that you would have with someone who doesn't have thyroid disease at all. Someone who's healthy and is overtraining and not eating enough. And I'm seeing the same effects that happen with those individuals happening with uh, hypothyroid as well as hyperthyroid. It's, it's a it's a very interesting perspective where I'm coming from, and this is what I'm dealing with. So I was trying to tap into some information that could help those listeners out there who who are battling obesity who happen to also be hyperthyroid. They are, they are they're in this mode where they're eating less calories and they're exercising more and they're having the same adverse effects as we would find with those with overtraining syndrome. Yeah, and again, that's a common mistake. Again, not just those with hyperthyroidism who are overweight, but just people in general. They, you know, they again restrict calories and they overexercise, not realizing that, you know, th- those are two factors that can help with weight loss in some people. But the overtraining could do more harm than good when it comes to the immune system. Actually, could increase inflammation, which again will counteract. <laughs> you know, the benefits and make it more difficult to lose weight. So you are right. I mean, they definitely don't want to overtrain um, and they, and probably want to do the opposite, just, to, you know, if anything, be more conservative and just, uh, you know, from a dietary standpoint, same thing, you know, where they, they I mean, you, you, it's not about calorie restriction. It's, uh, it's about eating well, um, eating nutrient-dense foods, you know, but, yes, I mean, the diet, you know, diet and exercise, that's important when it comes to losing weight, but for a lot of people doing that is not enough. You know, you need to focus on other areas such as inflammation, such as the hormones, estrogen, progesterone. If someone has estrogen dominance, you know, that is going to make it difficult for them to lose weight. You know, even toxins, if they have, you know, overload of toxins, which is common, you know, that's going to, so, I mean, you know, so that's why you want to carefully evaluate the person and, you know, if they're, you know, and, and look at, look at these other imbalances. And I mean, just also obviously educate them too. That's not just about, um, you know, exercising too much and, you know, or, you know, just over exercising and just restricting calories. But again, a lot of people that's, you know, I mean, diet and exercise are probably the two most common things people do to try to lose weight. And, I mean, for some people it does work, some people it doesn't work, some people it works, but then maintaining the weight, you know, is um, you know, keeping it off because, uh, again, there are other factors. I appreciate for some- your, yeah, I appreciate your input. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome, Raina. Dr. Osansky, I was going to point out for, for some people that, the you know, um, the whole dieting and trying to lose weight can be an absolute disaster, too, and really can work in the in the opposite direction, <laughs> you know, that I've seen a couple times, <laughs> quite a few times, actually. Yeah, no, I agree. Again, it's, uh, I mean, it's really about eating well and not trying to restrict calories and same thing with the exercise. I mean, before... Before I was diagnosed with Graves, I actually was overtraining as well. And who knows, maybe that was a factor. Um, but I was doing the rowing machine, and I was going all out. And I was, at the end of the session, I was 
close to being out of breath. And I thought mm-hmm. I was, you know, again, I, I thought that was, and again, this is coming from a chiropractor, someone who, you know, again, not, you know, I'm not saying I, the point is I was more educated probably than the average person. So I should have known better, <laughs> but, uh, but again, I was probably well, overtraining be, as well. Can be very confusing. Yeah, yeah, I come from that same place. He's absolutely right about that, you know, so it's a lesson learned type of thing, yes. One, yeah. One uh, quick I mean, question for you. Oh, mm-hmm. no, go ahead, sorry. No, no, that's okay. Um, no, it's and it's very individual, too. You know, some people can feel fabulous for a short period of time, and then all of a sudden that, that same exercise regimen or even that same eating or whatever have you, then all of a sudden changes, and I think – you know that's one thing that we really try to to put forward to people is that it's a constant you know it's a constant checking in with the body and seeing how you're doing on on what you're doing at the time and it may need some alterations which which leads me to uh one of the questions I really really wanted to ask you and and can autoimmune thyroid conditions be permanently cured or is it a maintenance thing is it does it get cured or is it something something that people have to continually maintain and check in with yeah, so, you know, what, what, as I discuss, I discussed this briefly in some of my webinars, so when I work with someone, you know, go, the goal is not necessarily to cure the autoimmune condition, but try to get the person into a state of, uh, or a permanent state of remission, as I call it. So, you know, just to, because as I mentioned earlier, there is a genetic component behind most, if not all, of these autoimmune conditions. And even though lifestyle and environmental factors are, you know, the greatest factor in triggering these conditions, you know, we still can't eliminate the genetic factor. So if someone, you know, gets into remission and if they don't maintain their health, there is a chance for them relapsing. Um, so, yeah, so I, I usually don't refer to it as a, as a permanent cure. Again, I do like to call it permanent remission because it is possible for someone to get to the point where they are in remission, where they, you know, walk into an endocrinologist's office, and if they didn't tell the endocrinologist that they had, you know, uh, Graves' disease or Hashimoto's, that the endocrinologist wouldn't be able to tell by the exam and the blood test, uh, and, you know, then after that, try to get the person to maintain their health. Um, but that's that's really the goal, is not to cure, but to get the person into remission and to maintain that state of remission. You know, a common question I get asked a lot is, how often should I have my antibodies tested, um, Dr. Osansky? What what do you find with your clients? How often is a good time, or does it depend on the person individually? Yeah, it does depend on the person. And some people will just some some people are working with another doctor, an endocrinologist, and some endocrinologists will only do the testing once, and that's it because they're not doing anything for the antibodies, and they might have a hard time convincing the endocrinologist to do some further testing. So then I have to try to convince them to do it on their own. But, you know, I do like to see initially, of course, the antibodies, uh, to have an antibodies test. But when, when, when working with someone, I do like to see the thyroid panel tested every few months, the antibodies, not necessarily as frequently, you know, so if I have someone look at the thyroid panel, you know, TSH, free T3, free T4, you know, do the base. Of course, I do other, a lot of other tests initially, vitamin D, you know, and just, uh, you know, CBC and metabolic panel. But, but as far as routine tests, 
Um, you know, the thyroid panel, of course, I'll try to do frequently, usually every couple of months. The antibodies, you know, it, it does to some extent depend on the person, but usually I'm not going to have them test more than, you know, if they're testing the thyroid antibodies every other month, for, I'm sorry, the thyroid panel every other month, you know, maybe I'll have them do the antibodies every, you know, four months or sometimes even every six months. And then, you know, if they reach the point where the antibodies are negative, then I still think it's a good idea to, you know, at least once a year do a thyroid panel with antibodies test. I mean, you could do it more than that, but at least, you know, annually just to make sure that the mm-hmm. antibodies are staying low. Because as we discussed earlier, especially with Hashimoto's, I mean, both with Graves and Hashimoto's, but probably more so with Hashimoto's, it takes uh, – you know, it could take a, a long period of time before you become symptomatic and see it on the thyroid panel. So if you're in remission and if you're just doing a thyroid panel, everything might look fine, but, you know, that's not necessarily ruling out, you know, elevated antibodies. Uh, you know, the antibodies could potentially still be high, so. Okay, well, I'm going to jump in and, and just uh, throw everybody completely off since we're, there's supposed to be four of us online. We're all going to – I want to know what everybody has had to eat today since we're all thyroid sufferers. I'm going to start. My husband made me chicken. My husband made me chicken with rice and and pickle slices, and it was fabulous. And, you know, it worked for me, good for me. I needed some carbs, so I loved it. Tiff, what what have you had? Please say you've eaten, Tiffany. Eggs, which is a mandatory standard for me, and uh, potatoes this morning. Cut red potatoes. Good for you. Onions. Yep. Olive oil. <laughs> okay, Raina, what'd you have? Well, I had my high protein gluten free pancakes that I make from scratch this morning with some honey and full fat uh L K C free yogurt on top. And for lunch I had my chicken breast that I make at home fresh with little red roasted potatoes and some green beans. And I had my whey protein branch chain amino acids uh, protein shake after my workout. And I'm about to have some apple and some mozzarella cheese as a snack. Well, we are headed over to Reina's unless you can top that, Dr. Rosanne. <laughs> you have. And, and yeah, I don't think I could. I don't think I could top that. What, what were you going to say? And and my boyfriend, who is a fabulous, fabulous cook, who cooks everything for me, gluten free, uh, everything's organic. He's making me uh, shrimp with brown rice pasta with his homemade um, tomato sauce, and I think we're having asparagus with that for dinner. Wow. Okay, we're definitely going over to Raina's. Okay, let's see what what you got, Dr. Ozanski. Tell us. Sure. Well, I usually start out the morning with a smoothie. So I had my my routine smoothie, which, uh, you know, some green leafy vegetables. uh, And, you know, it it varies as far as what I add. You know, it could be arugula, it could be kale. This morning was actually kale. Um, had some, you know, all of it organic as far as, the, the, you know, especially the fruits and vegetables, so organic kale, organic uh, carrots, um, actually added some, some organic broccoli <laughs> to that. And, uh, you know, I add mostly purified water, a little bit of organic almond milk to that, and uh, some coconut oil. And then I used a little bit of um, a powder, protein powder from um, the 
I don't know if you want me to name actually specifically what I used um, as sure. far as brands or whatever, but uh, a company called Zymogen, I added some some of their uh, powder, which is like a, a rice pea protein blend. Um, so again? you're familiar with Zymogen, X-Y-M? Zymogen. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Yes, I have heard of it. Yeah, X-Y-M-O-G. Yeah, so I mean, I use other companies too, but that's what I specifically had in my smoothie this morning. Um, so that was my smoothie. Had some green tea. Uh, actually, I also um, went to the gym uh, before this, uh, you know, uh, before this interview. But I did have lunch after that, and I had um, some more kale. I had a kale salad with some, you know, some grilled organic grilled chicken. Um, and uh, olive oil and garlic as a dressing, and that's so far. <laughs> and I have some some okay, macadamia. I think Raina nuts. wins. <laughs> yeah. I think Raina wins. Well, you're you're a Graves patient, but I think we're all going to meet at, at Raina's next uh, Sunday before the show. So she's going to cook for us all before we have Blythe on. So, he can um, have the Yeah, he can have the kale. We can't have. Yeah. The kale. I know, I, right? I know. That's why I, I wanted to mention that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. I can have that's, it in soup. Well, you can have some kale. That's a... Um, yeah, I use it I in never, soup or I'll cook it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have chosen personally just to stay away from those goitogenic type of the vegetables. The goitogenic foods, yeah. Yeah, I, it's a personal choice. I don't even do it cooking-wise. I, I really want to do my very best to maintain my thyroid function as best as I can. So this is the personal choice. Everybody's different. But I believe there's mm-hmm. one more question on, on the scale here today, and someone uh, wants me to ask you, what is the biggest challenge of following a natural protocol for thyroid and autoimmune thyroid conditions? Because that's what you're doing, correct? What do you find to be the biggest challenge doing it naturally? Yeah, the, the biggest, I mean, there's probably two biggest challenges, but, I mean, the Definitely the biggest challenge is the diet. <laughs> you know, uh, obviously there's some people consult with me who are already gluten and dairy-free and, you know, even some following a strict autoimmune paleo diet before speaking with me. But there are also many people who are surprised at foods such as, you know, eggs, nuts, seeds, legumes. You know, those types of foods are all excluded from an autoimmune paleo diet. And, you know, to be fair, there are some people who continue eating some of these foods and still do okay. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there are some people that I do reintroduce certain foods that are forbidden and uh, and they do fine. But the diet is without question probably the, the biggest challenge. Uh, stress management is, is close behind and, you know, may, it's hard to choose between the two. Maybe even stress is a big, bigger factor. But, you know, eating, the thing is most people when they work with me, they at least know they'll need to make dietary changes, but many people don't block out time every day to work on their stress handling skills, even though most people are dealing with a lot of chronic stress. So, um, so again, diet, I probably would rate as the biggest challenge, but stress management is right up there as well. I would have to say that's probably the same for Hashimoto's and hypothyroid as well. The two things, I think that the th- those are the two things that people have the biggest problem with is the diet lifestyle change that you have to make there, which kind of go, coincides with the stress management because changing your diet can be as stressful as 
trying to reduce stress in your life. I think those two really can actually conflict one another or actually benefit one another, and, and mindset is huge there, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a number of people will clean up their diet, but they still won't do a good job of managing the stress, and, um, you know, that's also not only when trying to improve their health, but also maintaining your health. I mean, it's just uh, not only do you want to eat well, for the rest of your life, but you also want to do things for the rest of your life to, to help manage the stress. Right. That sounds fair. It's interesting That's that it's not, both... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dana. I was just going to say, you know, that that goes to the self-care, and it really is, you know, important. Um, I, you know, I think that you, you have to do that. It's important. Otherwise, you know, like you said, Dr. Zansky, you know, just doing the taking taking care of your food and getting it all cleaned up isn't going to do much. You've really kind of got to work on lots of different things, right? You've got to work on eliminating stress and, and, and also the diet and also, you know, regulating what kind of exercise works for your body and lots of factors. And it is confusing and it's difficult for, you know, like even like our listeners listening in, you know, I mean, everybody's so different and, you know, we ask everybody to tune in. And so we just try to keep it very broad um, and, and, try to cover lots of topics that might touch on what they're going through. But really, we're all going through all of this at different points and different times. And it's not easy. i got to say, it's not easy managing the stress along with, you know, taking care of the food and making sure if you go out to eat, you know, you sound like the girl in the, you know, when Harry met Sally, I want this and this but not this and hold this, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it's tra- and then we, we didn't even talk about toxins, too, which could be a factor. So it's just, you know, I also educate people about trying to use more natural products. And, you know, if they have mercury amalgams, that can be an issue in some people. So, I mean, there's, you know, again, yeah, the, the stress and diet are big factors, too. But as you mentioned, there could be other other factors as well. You know, as long as you are topped on that, you know, that's a great question. What Can you name, because I'm sure there are a few, but can you name a few good supplements for, you know, your hyper uh, clients and also for your hypo clients? You know, a few that you find to be very beneficial for each um, subset of clients. Sure. Well, with hyperthyroidism, I mean, again, from a symptom management standpoint, there's, there's uh, for hyperthyroidism. There's bugleweed, which lowers the thyroid hormone levels, and motherwort, which kind of acts like a natural beta blocker. Could help with uh, heart rate and palp- palpitations. Uh, lemon balm is another one, and that has some antithyroid activity. Um, with thyroid, with, with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's, from a symptomatic standpoint. You know, there's like there's there's nothing natural to replace thyroid hormone. You know, there's no like there's you could take of course a thyroid glandular that has some thyroid hormone, but you're still getting thyroid hormone. You know, you could take adaptogenic herbs that might affect the HPT axis, the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis, and you know maybe stimulate some production of thyroid hormone. But you, you know, if someone is deficient, you know, then they probably will need to take thyroid hormone. But Again, both of those are, you know, they're immune system conditions. So, um, so there is a lot of overlap with some, you know, some of the, especially some of the basics as far as like a probiotic. You know, I recommend usually with both Graves and um, Hashimoto's to take a good quality probiotic. 
um, usually things to help with uh, pro-inflammatory cytokines. I mentioned earlier, you know, fish oils and vitamin D if they're deficient, um, maybe, you know, curcumin. Uh, if they have a, a problems with the gut, a leaky gut, then L-glutamine, usually higher doses of L-glutamine that helps with dealing with the gut. Uh, might recommend things to help. We spoke about briefly toxins I mentioned, so things to help with glutathione production. So either NAC, which is N-acetylcysteine, um, a precursor to uh, glutathione, or actually giving, you know, like an acetylated form of glutathione to help with the, detox the detoxification pathways. Um, so those are some of the you know, general, even though, again, not all of them, like I don't give everyone L-glutamine. I don't I give a lot of people or tell a lot of people to take vitamin D, but really depends on, you know, I first test everybody for vitamin D just to see if they have a vitamin D deficiency, which is common. And, um, you know, but those are some of the more common ones. Um, but again, it does vary as, as far as the supplements. Uh, I will give different supplements, but again, with Graves, there's more specific supplements to help with symptom management. You know, with uh, you know, with the thyroid, with hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, pretty much my efforts when it comes to supplementation is just all focusing on, you know, the immune system and the adrenals, and you know, helping with detoxification. Um, so as I mentioned, there's really nothing to, n nothing natural that effectively will replace thyroid hormone. Okay, let me ask you a question. Since I suffer from Hashimoto's and adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. How how do you treat naturally? Um, how do you treat the adrenal fatigue for Hashi's naturally? What is your what is your recommendation for that? Yeah, well, typically I'll test first. So I, I'm one of those that I, I do the adrenal saliva testing to to look at the circadian rhythm of cortisol and looking at, look at DHEA and a few other factors, 17-hydroxyprogesterone. Um, but so it really depends on the person. I mean, I do like the adaptogenic herbs to help with the HPA axis, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So, you know, eleuthero, uh, rhodiola, ashwagandha, uh, and you know, as far as cortisol, you know, it depends. Uh, if they have depressed cortisol levels, then I'll commonly recommend licorice. Although, you know, if someone has high blood pressure, then you know, licorice is typically contraindicated. So, so again, that's where the person, individual person, comes into play. If they have high elevated cortisol levels, you know, besides supporting the, again, the HPA access, I might give, um, you know, something such as phosphatidylserine to help lower the cortisol levels. You know, but the big thing is stress management. Again, it's you know, diet stress management. So if you just tell someone to you know, if you just give them an adrenal supplement and say, you know, you have, you know, of course, oh, I forgot, of course, the nutrients too, vitamin B, vitamin C, you know, to to help support the adrenals. But, but again, you know, diet, stress management too. So if you just tackle it through supplements, and even if you just tackle it through diet, but if the person is constantly stressed out and if they're not doing anything to manage the stress, you know, then, you know, they're not going to recover. Um, but typically I'll do things to help, you know, those are some of the supplements and herbs. And, again, it does depend on the person um, as far as what exactly, you know, I'll give them. But usually it's a combination of diet, supplementation, and stress management. Okay. You mentioned glandulars. And this is something I'm really uh, very, very, very interested in. And I've been doing a lot of reading up on this. 
can you give us some insight about how you use glandulars in your practice? Yeah, so with, with glandulars, um, I mean, there's adrenal glandulars. I think I mentioned earlier thyroid glandulars, like as a possible, you know, if someone does not want to take, you know, thyroid hormone medication, you know, like uh, levothyroxine or even if they don't want to take armor or natrothyroid for whatever reason, but if they need thyroid hormone, you know, they could take a glandular that might have thyroid hormone. There's different types of glandulars, but, you know, with the adrenals, there's, of course, adrenal glandulars. And, you know, I will give adrenal glandulars to some patients. Uh, usually when I give it to them, it's it's more of a short-term basis, usually six to eight weeks. I'll have them take the, um, the adrenal glandular and, again, just give the other support that I recommended. So, it, it, again, it depends on the person. If someone is in a state, as you mentioned, of adrenal fatigue, you know, then they might benefit from the adrenals. But, we also got to remember, while, while I do support the adrenals, it's usually other factors which are causing problems with the adrenals. You know, so again, if you just support the adrenals, but if you're not supporting the HPA access, um, and if you're not doing things for stress management, then again, you could take a, an adrenal glandular for many months, and it's you know not going to make uh, it might help a little bit, but it's just a combination of all the different factors. Okay. And what is your thoughts? Oh, I'm sorry. What is your thoughts on the thyroid glandular with, let's say, T4 medication? If you're taking small doses of that, if let's say someone wasn't getting T3 for some reason, because their doctor yeah. won't prescribe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they if they absolutely need, you know, if they have T4, you know, let's say if they, I mean, part of the problem is, of course, doctors. Some doctors don't test the free T3 levels. They'll just test, you know, the TSH and free T4, and then, as you mentioned, just give synthetic T4. And so if I see some, if I begin working with someone and then I recommend for them to test the free 3 and we see it low, um, you know, my, so I, I might give them a glandular to help with the T3, but, my goal is to try to see why they might not be converting. So, you know, re- reverse T3 and, you know, having high cortisol levels, that could be an issue with the conversion process. Um, so, you know, could so, again, it really the goal is not, you know, not to say that they can't benefit um, from taking the T3. Again, if they're deficient in the T3, then, yeah, they might need to take either Armour or Nature Throid that have both T4 and T3, or if they can't get a prescription, then, yeah, maybe they'll need to take, you know, the, you know, label thyroxin and then a glandular that has some T3. Um, but while doing that, the goal will be to try to, you know, help them. If, if we do an adrenal panel and if their cortisol levels are, you know, sky high, you know, you know, then, again, that could be a potential factor affecting co- the conversion. So while they're taking the thyroid hormone, of course, the goal will be to try to lower the cortisol levels, help them with the stress management. Dana? Yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm I'm listening. I'm just kind of, well, I'm not in a flower field, but I'm close I, to my flower field. I'm, I'm thinking okay. it's, it's more like one of those concentrated moments where I'm trying to process everything he's saying, and so I'm sitting here and my, I'm squinting my eyes, and I'm thinking, okay, 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 I'm with you, I'm with you, okay. Okay, okay so now I've caught up. I have one more question <laughs> as, in regards to this that's kind of taking it into another level. 
And I'm addressing okay. this because I have a lot of listeners who are very interested in this, in the, in the aspect of um, getting back to the exercise. And we talk about stress management and so on and so forth. There's got to be that balance with exercise and thyroid disease, whether it's hyperthyroid or whether hyperthyroid. Now, I'm trying to get everybody to amp down a bit so that they can decrease that stress level and find that balance. The next thing I wanted to to talk about was, especially because we do have a lot of listeners who are only on T4 only, and um, their doctors aren't prescribing the T3, and that's becoming a very stressful thing in their life. Everything's fine. Their cortisol's fine. They're actually in optimal ranges for their thyroid, but what's happening with their exercise is they're crashing. And I, my feeling is, is it's because because we exercise, we do need that T3, and our doctors don't want to give it to us. So we're looking for, you know, simple little answers that can help us live our lives the way we want to live it, and at the same time, not find ourselves compromised after a day of even low to moderate intensity exercise. And so I wanted to get your thoughts and feelings about if someone was in a particular good place with their thyroid and needed that little extra T3 just so that they can do that moderate amount of exercise, would a glandular be extremely helpful in that um, aspect? It could be. I mean, in that case, it it could be. Now, you you do – one thing we didn't speak about, we we spoke about the adrenals, but if someone does have, uh, you know – severe problems with adrenals, they do need to be cautious when it comes to exercising and not overdoing it. But to get back to the question, if they do, if they are low in T3, um, then yes, uh, take, you know, taking some, some T3 maybe in the form of a glandular if they're not able to get something like Cytomel or a prescription for Armour or Nasethroid, you know, then that, that could be an option to help them, to allow them to, to exercise. Um, again, we would still want to try to address the cause if possible. But, yeah, you know, if someone has low T3, again, they need the – even though I, I talk about getting to the root cause, you know, people, again, you know, we, we, they, they do need thyroid hormone is – low thyroid hormone levels are just like high thyroid hormone levels aren't good. Low thyroid hormone levels aren't good as the either. So, so but, yes, getting back to your question as far as ex- relating to the exercise, uh, taking, you know, if, if absolutely necessary, then yeah, taking a, a T3 in the form of glandular could be an option. Now, I probably wouldn't recommend just for people to go out and just, you know, or go online and just uh, start Googling for thyroid glandulars and just start experimenting with that. It probably is a good idea to try to, you know, find someone, you know, to, to find someone oh, to work with. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, because no, 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 a lot no, no, of that can be... A yeah. lot of that Go can on. actually be taken and and put in reverse T3. So the the body has a beautiful mechanism, you know, um, that we don't want to bypass, right, Doctor Osanti? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So so you do want to be cautious, and it's not. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could definitely with with even with glandulars, you can overdo it. So um, so you do need to be careful. Well, that's why I was very specific to say everything was in line. All the thyroid levels were optimal and so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. I I thought I was a little clear with that, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, and and that's that's what I was going to say, you know, assuming everything's, you know, okay and that you're getting some guidance, you know. 
we're just kind of wanting to, to spread the message about glandulars. There is an option. There are options out there. So people, some people have never even heard of glandulars and Dr. Ozanski. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we just kind of wanted to bring it up. And as Raina said, you know, as long as everything else is kind of optimized or they're working with someone, is it something they can ask their healthcare provider about? Hey, I was listening to a show and I heard about glandulars. Am I a, a suspect? I mean, am I a, a candidate for that, right? So, so that's, you know, that's, just good to hear different things, different options, different choices. So I think that's kind of what what Raina was getting at. Is that am I helping yes. Raina or hurting? Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I'm kind of like one of the people that I have a very direct question, and I just I try to be as clear as I possibly can and and lay everything out. Um, no, and I would never ever want anyone to go out there and and self-dose or do anything like that. In fact, uh, that's my biggest pet peeve on the page. It's exactly the opposite of that. (laughs) Yeah, and I I definitely wasn't suggesting that you would suggest, but some people (laughs) listening to this might just randomly just be hearing this and just uh, might, again, be hitting Google as we speak, (laughs) just uh, thinking. So, and again, some people do self-treat and they do okay, but especially with T3, even if everything else is imbalanced, you still want to want to be careful. Well, this yes. has been absolutely fabulous, Dr. Ozanski. I'm I'm so absolutely honored that that we've met. You were so gracious to me when I first started Thyroid Nation, and uh, he also donated for our one year anniversary. So that's very cool. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. And um, and when I first started the page, I was. He was very gracious in letting me put his articles, reshare his articles, so we could get good information out to the people who were suffering. So I thank you so much for that. I really appreciate all of your support, and you know I'm a big fan. So I'm going to keep promoting and keep marketing Dr. Eric Ozanski because I think you're fabulous. So I really, really appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank, thank you. you. Anything else, everybody? Yes, anybody? thank you very much. I said thank you. Okay, well, uh, don't forget <laughs> naturalendocrinesolutions.com. He's there. And awesome uh, you can site. find him on, on Facebook and on my site as well. And uh, he does do, uh, like like you mentioned, Dr. Zinc, you do telemedicine, right? So you do Skyping and that kind of thing as well. And you do webinars. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I do. Right. So you can, doesn't matter where you live, you can, you can get a hold of him. So. Anyway, okay, well, have a fabulous Sunday, Dr. Ozanski. We more than appreciate it. It was very, very nice to talk to you, and we'd love to have you back. So we will be in touch. All right, great. Sounds good. Thank you again for uh, having Thank me you. on. It was great speaking with everyone. Good night. Thank you. Thank you for your wonderful information. All right, well, thanks again. Take care. I hope everyone also has a wonderful day wherever you are in Costa Rica, Costa Rica. And where, where, um, Tiffany, are you? South Florida, South Joshua Florida. tree, Joshua tree and rain in South Florida. We're, we're covering the, okay. covering the, the States here. Right. <laughs> outside of the States too. <laughs> well, again, everyone enjoy the rest of their Sunday. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Welcome. Bye now. Bye. 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 So how great was that? He was amazing. Right? So full of good information and natural healing. And, you know, a lot of people prefer that or at least want that information. And so it's really good to know that, you know, I mean, to share that that with people that, 
you know, I do know so many people who were never told. You know, they just walked in, they said I have Graves' disease, and they walked out thinking I'm either going to have to get a thyroidectomy or, you know, a radioactive iodine. And he's a living proof that there are other ways. Isn't that That's cool if they would all start out that way, you know, where they would give you options to try to work it out and manage symptoms and everything else before they just jump the gun? I mean, I know some thyroid cancers are much more scary than others. But, oh, you know, just to yes. just have a moment to think about it. Like you said, it sounds like, you know, most patients just, you know, it's like, okay, this is, you know, next Tuesday or, you know, they don't, it's almost like they don't even right. have any time to absorb or think about it. You know, it seems that that's the way it goes most of the time and that's kind of a bummer. So there are options. Right. Very, very cool. Well, I was hoping we could talk well, we to Raina, have... but she's not there, Dana. Oh, no. I know. I she was still there. That was the whole point. Well, my goodness. <laughs> um, uh, um, okay, well, we were going to talk to Raina a little bit about, um, you know, she's she's doing some really cool things, and she is going to be a guest. Her and um, Kimberly Andrews are going to be guests in, I believe, October. So we were going to we were going to keep Raina on the line and talk to her just a bit about uh, – her new ed- great endeavor, new which is thyroid trainer. Bummer. I didn't hear what you said. I know. I know. I know. We were going to talk to her about um, thyroid trainer and, and, you know, kind of the things that she's going through and uh, doing for her page and for her site. And she's very knowledgeable and very good. And, and it's a really big question. It's a really big deal. Exercise. And she's a cert, you know, she's certified and she's, Fabulous. It's a really cool thing that you can um, have someone like Raina be able to guide you along because people are really wanting to stay in shape. It's not all about losing weight and or, you know, gaining weight or getting thin or it's about, you know, optimal health. And, and she's, she's a really good person to do that with. So I think it's a very cool uh, adventure that she's starting with um, Kimberly. They're, you know, doing nutrition and, and thyroid Exercise. She's called the Thyroid Trainer. So you can definitely find out more information about Raina on her page, Thyroid Discussion Group, and also on thyroidnation.com. And she writes fabulous articles, and uh, I feature a lot of them. So she's she's wonderful. We were going to keep talking to her. But now that we're done, Tiff, what do you got to add over there? Just as always, a very, very big thank you to all of our listeners. And uh, we want to remind you that um, everybody's wellness is individual. And take time to listen to your own body and take an inventory. Uh, Thyroid Thriver Stories, please, if you have, even if you're in the midst of your journey and, and don't feel like you've, you know, hit the pot of gold yet, we want to hear about your Thyroid Thriver Story, even if it's in progress. Uh, and you can submit that at yep. thyroidnation.com, Thyroid Thrivers. Submit your story. We'd love to hear about it. And make sure always to follow Thyroid Nation on, on the World Wide Web, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and in the Facebook group, Hashis and Graves, Thyroid Nation Radio Talk Show, where you can ask questions and chat with other uh, Hyper and Hypo and Graves and Hashimoto's in the in the forum and ask questions. Yeah, we're going What's going to, on next um, week, Dana? We're gonna we're gonna start doing that. Um, just so everybody knows, we're gonna start taking questions um, in the Hashi and Graves Thyroid Nation uh, Radio Talk Show group. 
So if you want to become a member, you can. And we're going to be taking live questions, just a two, two or three to start out with um, and see where it goes from there. But if you log on to that page next Sunday while you're listening, then you can type in your question and we might read your question live on the air. So that's something new we're going to try doing. More reason to listen to us ladies as we chit and chat on Sunday afternoon, right? Yep, yep. And um, a shout-out to Tiffany and any of those of you out there who don't know who she is or don't know where you can find her, and you were in California every Saturday. She is at the Joshua Tree Market doing her thing. I'm posting a picture. I'm reposting a picture that she shared so everybody can see exactly her setup. But she's there for consults, and she just pretty much cares and loves on everybody that walks up and has a big, long line of people standing there waiting to talk to her. And she's um, worth every penny. She doesn't charge nearly as much as she should, but she wants to be fair, so that's her. So you can find her page at gratefulgarden.biz. It's her website and Grateful Garden on on uh, Facebook. Anywhere else? What's going on next week, Dana, real quick? What do we got? We got awesomeness yeah. next week. We got Blythe. We got one of our That's own team. Blythe. We have Blythe. Very cool. Yes. She is thyroid mom, and she is a thyroid mom. Her, her husband, and her and her two kids, it's a whole family full of thyroid, and she has some insight like you will not believe. So that is going to be really, really cool. She's one of our team yes. members. She does lots of support and things behind the scenes, but she's all about congenital hypothyroidism, and she has a lot of insight to share. So we're kind of excited to, to talk to her very because we haven't excited. covered that. So very, very cool. So I think that's it for us, you guys. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation gringa tika from Costa Rica. And Tiffany with GratefulGarden.biz bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.